Welcome to Shouts of Grace Radio, practical conversations from God's Word, hosted by Pastor Steve Pearson of Redemption Hill Church in Eagle Mountain, Utah. At Shouts of Grace Radio, it's our purpose to encourage you to see the Bible as God's source of truth for everyday life and grace as the foundation for a genuine relationship with God. Now, let's join Pastor Steve for today's conversation. Hey, welcome back to the program. We are blessed you are joining us today and taking time out of your day. And if this is your first time listening to Shouts of Grace, we want to say welcome and to let you know that we have a website at shoutsofgraceradio.com where you can go and you can listen to what is now five years. Uh, last week was five years broadcasting uh, here in Utah County. And so there's a number of episodes there on, on a whole host of topics. You can look at uh, things that were happening around the world, worldviews, um, scripture that we go through, you name it, um, where we take uh, what we're talking about and we apply a biblical worldview to it by going through scripture. And so uh, we hope you enjoy that. And while you're there, why not just drop us a, a, a note? Maybe you have a question or something. Uh, we would love to field those. We do collect those and we'll usually have occasional episodes where we just answer all of the questions. If you are a return listener, we want to say welcome back and thank you for your support and and as always, we give a shout out to Key Radio for the use of their studios here in Provo, Utah. If you are new to Shouts of Grace, um, what we do is we have conversations, candid conversations with different church leaders, pastors uh, from around Utah, from around the nation, and sometimes internationally, just depending on who's available. They're, they're friends of mine, and we just like to dig into God's word and and, and have practical conversations. And so today I actually have in studio um, Pastor Logan Wolf from Cross Point Church, and he's going to explain what all that is because um, he's got a unique way. But welcome, brother. How are you? I am well, sir. Thank you so much for having me. Man, how long have you been here in Utah? Uh, we are coming up on 12 years. Wow. That's amazing. And all in the Utah County area. Yeah, we've been in Provo the whole time. Okay, great. So Logan, what I wanted to do today is is I wanted to hear a little bit about your story because you kind of have a unique, kind of a reverse engineer of what's happening in the church today <laughs> um, as everybody's trying to, you know, start churches and pull people into buildings and build this mega, me, mega move of God, if you will. Um, you've kind of reverse engineered that and, and done it a little different. I want to I hear from that. Um, but also I want to talk about um, just what scripture says about making disciples because I think, yeah. you know, you have a, a perspective on that, that that a lot of people people don't always have. And I think it's healthy and important. And so first push the boat off the dock um, because let us know, like you did something that was unorthodox a, a number of years back. You, you shut down your, your buildings, your physical yeah. locations. Talk about that. Yeah. So at that point we were uh, multi-site. So we had two buildings. We had a building here in Provo right across from BYU. And we had a building in Taylorsville, Utah, there in Salt Lake County. Um, and I was running back and forth, uh, leading services in both places, um, same service, same worship set, just different groups of people. And we were doing that for three years. So coming into eight years in Utah. Uh, and I remember one Sunday just looking out at the crowd um, and realizing there is no one in this room that I have personally led to Jesus and have been walking with mm. in their faith. Um, and just God got all over me about that. I was like, what am I, like, what am I doing? Like I moved my family across the country to be here to do this and I'm failing at it terribly. Um, and so we realized we had to make some, some big changes. Um, so 
you know, I'm not from that paradigm, from that mindset. I'm from the Bible Belt. So I thought we could fix this discipleship problem with like a really well thought out four part sermon series and (laughs) (laughs) like just a real dynamic hashtag and we'll be on our way. And so I did that. I tried to, I was preaching on neighboring and I was preaching on the great commission and the great commandment. And we went through all the one another commands in the Bible and um, it just was falling and um, like on deaf ears. And I was just getting so frustrated, so frustrated. And I remember even just saying, hey, we're going to go through the book of Acts and we'll just go in chapter by chapter. And even that, all that did was just feel my frustration. And I remember getting to Acts 17 and in Acts 17, you've got the disciples there in Thessalonica and they're drugged before the authorities and they're accused of turning the world upside down in verse six. And the only thing they were doing was following Jesus and making disciples, like showing other people how to follow Jesus. And it was so countercultural to that Gentile city that the only way they could describe it is our world's being turned upside down. And I I remember studying that and then preaching it twice and just telling our church, like, no one would ever accuse us of this. Like, we're, we're not making disciples. We're putting on a very poorly produced, underfunded one-man show every week. Hmm. And it means nothing when we leave these doors. Um, and so I think at that point it was clear God was calling us into something more drastic than just a new sermon series. Um, and so we, we got rid of the buildings. So, so real quick, (laughs) like, like when I hear that, I'm like, okay, how did, how did you present that? How did it go over? Because like most people would, most churches are looking for buildings and they're looking to establish and you're like dumping yours. Like, like what's going on with that? So it was, it it was a, yeah, there was a process of presenting it. And so as we're presenting it with the need to impact the lostness of our state, which, you know, Utah is the least reached state in America and a need to impact our counties and our, our cities. And then, you know, pushing, are we actually following Jesus? Are we helping other people follow Jesus? So that whole discipleship piece. There was also this, we kept bringing into that equation, this picture of how much time and energy and money was being spent on the actual church structure, the facility side of it, um, versus going out and actually engaging lostness in our community and, and forming genuine Christian community. So... Um, it was, you know, constantly showing, hey, hey, you know, we have people, we have plenty of people volunteering. They're volunteering to clean the building, to mow the yard. They're, no one's going out and serving. No one's going out and sharing the gospel. Uh, you know, people are giving. All that money is going towards a fifth of the electric bill. You know, and we were basically was even heading towards a deficit by the end. And so um, I think that helped kind of capture, oh, like, there is an expense to doing ministry this way. That's not necessarily wrong, but if you can't pay that cost, like if it takes the important stuff and edges the important things out, then is it really something worthwhile? And uh, so, no, we, we, we did that. And I remember I went away with a couple, we had staff even. So I went away with the staff for a long weekend. We went up to Heber and got uh, like a, a couple hotel rooms and stuff and just spent the weekend praying and brainstorming and sharing ideas and formulating what the next phase would look like. And after that weekend, we came back and basically presented it to the body. Like we've been talking about this, this, and this, and we believe God's leading us to do this. We're going to offload the the facilities. Um, and in place, we were, and we, we in place, we we're going to start a network of house churches. Now that was, 
I would do all that whole thing differently because none of us had ever been part of a house church before and none of us ever seen a house church before. So it was all theory. And so you're trying to convince, you know, a couple hundred people (laughs) of you're going to do something that you yourself have never done. And that's, that's hard. That's a hard place to lead from. Like if you've not been there or not in the trenches to turn around and say, we're going. Um, So it was, I struggled even in that, I think, but um, that's, that's what we postured. And then we tried to, so from that point on, like the next, you know, five, six months, we just tried in our services to in the buildings to to uh, structure that time as if we were in smaller communities. And so we tried to be more participatory and we tried to break into some smaller groups. And again, we're, we have no clue what we're doing, but we try to give people a taste of like, hey, this this is kind of what's going to happen at your dining room table or at your garage or yeah. in your backyard. Um, so that's that's kind of how that played out in that. that so, so so this this defies what modern church is all about, because like what you said, <laughs> modern church is the preacher puts together a message, a sermon, yeah. and he comes and he prepares it and you have the time of music and then he gives it and the people walk away full of quote unquote, full of the word or so yeah. they're supposed to be. So did you guys have a presentation? Because I know some of the listeners we listen is going, well, that sounds cool. We have kind of like community groups that we might go to. But like, how, how do you structure it to where the word of God is yeah. being preached and people are like, how does all that work? Yeah. So there, there is clear structure. And and if you were to come into any of our churches or even any of the groups that we're, we're pushing towards church formation, They'd feel very organic, but there is clear structure that we kind of lay out and and uh, teach the ones leading it, like to make sure these pieces are happening, whatever that looks like. So, I mean, we just basically went to the book of Acts and particularly in Acts 2. And in Acts 2, you see by the end the church doing all this stuff that actually Jesus was teaching and preaching and telling his disciples to do in the gospel. So it's like, okay, if Jesus taught these things, commanded these things in the early church did these things like right after he ascended, certainly there's some, we need to focus on some of this stuff. So those are the things we kind of press into for church I- I- identity and, you know, preaching repentance and faith. Um, and that's the message. We go out, not just in our services or gatherings, but we'll go out door to door and parks on the streets and we'll, we'll share the gospel with people, call them to repentance and faith, um, baptism, uh, prayer, healthy multiplication of disciples and, and churches, that fellowship piece we were just talking about community, um, worship and praise, the breaking of bread, communion, table fellowship, um, supernatural generosity, recognize leaders that meet biblical qualifications and devotion to the word. And so those elements are all there. And at the start, <clears throat> excuse me, and anytime we're starting a new gathering that we hope becomes a church, we we really press into each of those and provide some clear understanding biblically of what those look like and how those are supposed to play out in community. Because all of those you know, as an individual disciple, I should be doing those things and committed to those things. But in reality, they all they play all play out as we gather as brothers and sisters. Right. Before before the break, I want to ask you a question on that. Yeah. Like when you when you gather in community, like what would be the difference or maybe there's similarities? I don't know between that and let's say, you know, a typical church would have a community group at yeah. their church. Yeah, um, I think community groups essentially could function as autonomous churches mm. if the big church that launches them out would just recognize them as such and cut them free to do it. Mm. Um, because I know a lot of community groups do some of those things very well. The, the fellowship, um, they, they talk about making disciples, maybe even equipping each other with some tools or some principles that way. Um, there's, they're in the word, there is prayer, there probably is a worship, maybe a worship and praise component. Um, but then there's some pieces there that I feel like 
maybe the the mother church or the big church or whatever it is the logo holds on to that are essential for church identity things like baptism things like mm. communion things even maybe like giving mm. um and so those those community groups go back to participate in those elements when mm. in reality all we're doing is do letting the smaller groups do all those things right. does that make sense yeah so so the main thing would probably be that the 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 community group functions more as a ministry of uh, that's a, rather than a, an a, a, a yeah okay I got that okay yes sir um, so I want to take take a short break and then on the other side I want to talk about what a disciple is how do you make one because because I think all of us would agree that the Bible tells us we're not to make converts right we're to actually make disciples and so what is that and 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 you know how intrusive. Is that process because because, you know, we've had some really weirdo groups in the past who have gotten on to this whole idea of, of disciple making and it transitioned into the shepherding thing and it oversaw someone's you know life to the, you know, everything they spent <laughs> and who they hung out with. And so I think sometimes people hear discipleship making in a smaller context than on a Sunday morning and they get nervous because the truth is on a Sunday morning they could file in. And, and, and file out and nobody ever knows who they are. But now I'm sitting in your living room and, yeah. and if there's an intimacy there and there's a bigger accountability there. And so people are like, ah, oh, like what, what, what is, what does this mean in my life? And so I want to talk more about that on the other side of the break. You're listening to Shouts of Grace. We'll be right back. You're listening to Shouts of Grace, the radio ministry of Redemption Hill Church in Eagle Mountain, Utah. For more information about Redemption Hill or Pastor Steve, visit our website at rhutah.church. Shouts of Grace Radio is thankful for the encouragement from Key Radio, reaching Utah with the good news of eternal life from their station in Provo, Utah. Now, let's join Pastor Steve for the conclusion of today's broadcast. Welcome back to the program. I am in studio today with Logan Wolf. Um, and before the break, uh, Logan was just sharing about the the house church church movement that Crosspoint has kind of transitioned into. And, um, you know, I, before the break, I kind of suggested that I, I want us to look at what a disciple is. But before that, Logan, let me ask you this. The, you know, the way typical churches use metrics to measure their success is by bottoms in the seats. Yeah. If I have 150 seats in my sanctuary and 145 of them are, are filled, wow, God's doing amazing <laughs> work. And the problem is, is, as you said, I could look up and, and I could like, we had a newcomers luncheon, you know, last week and, and, and I looked up and, you know, there was honestly, there was probably 40 newcomers there at our luncheon. And, and I didn't really know many of them. So mm. I didn't know, you know, are these people, you know, are, are they believers? Are they, what's their life like? And so in the typical church context, you could walk in and you could walk it out, you walk out, you could hear a fantastic message. It could even convict you. You yeah. could even go home and make some changes. But the truth is, you know, you could walk in and walk out and nobody would know you. Right. right. And, and so, but we would look at the metrics and we'd go, wow, look at God's filling the room and, you know, not really have any indication that lives are necessarily being changed. Yeah. And I think that's indicative of probably a majority of, of churches that meet on Sundays, right or wrong. It is what it is, but for you, you guys have had success and um, you know, one, one of the metrics has been, has been baptism. Yeah. Um, I, well, everything you just said, I, com I completely agree with. And I feel like we've talked about this before. It's so hard. Like if you view Sunday morning as your disciple making, right? It, that's I don't know if that's happening. It's not. You, <laughs> decide, decide, people are being taught they, on Sundays, yeah. you know, because God's word doesn't go out void. Being right. convicted, but the truth is, I think discipleship, and we'll, we'll talk more about this in a second. I think it, it's it's a 
it, it's a two-way street. First, the one who's going to be discipled has to engage. Absolutely. And, and, and engagement on Sunday isn't necessarily, you know, in, engagement in discipleship. It, you're, you're learning. Right. But, but when we talk about discipleship, we talk about something much more. What are we talking yeah, about? Yeah, well, I think we're, we're talking about this, this per, full participation in your faith journey. Um, this I'm following Jesus and you're following Jesus. And so we're going to do this together. And so there is this very much of an interactive component, a push and pull kind of component, a problem solving component. It's not just, you know, just you can't go through like a 10 week program and then say, I've been discipled. Like discipled is walking with Jesus and with other believers your, your whole life. And so there's going to be th- seasons of life where you're learning things and you're applying things and you, how does that look in my life? And then 10 years later, it's a whole different set of issues, but I'm still learning what it means in this phase of life to follow Jesus. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so, and, that, and I think that's, that's key. So, I mean, in our, you referenced you know, what we're seeing, we are helping people. What does it look like not to just come and consume or to come and just take or come and just learn Bible trivia? Um, but what does it mean to actually apply it and live it out Monday through Saturday, like the rest of the week, you know? And and so that's what we've been giving ourselves to. And we're seeing success in that as it's not just one person doing it all, but showing other people like I've walked with some brothers and sisters for a season. And then as I've encouraged them and even gone with them to share their faith with others, or I'm seeing them share their faith with others coming you know, alongside of them and saying, okay, now if this, this person's just turned to Jesus, you don't need to bring them to me. They don't know me. They know you. So now you already have. So now you begin to walk with this person and you begin to pray together and and discuss the word together. And you begin to what are the obstacles? What are the barriers? And just begin to help them think through some of those things. And we've been it's been tremendous because across our network and our network spans uh, from north of Ogden to northern Utah down towards uh, Cedar City, southern Utah. Um, This last season, we've seen 95 people come to faith. They've repented, they've professed faith in Christ and have been baptized and are now connected with with body, other bodies of believers where they're learning to follow Jesus just day to day, mm. um, which is insane because prior in the building, when I'm just standing up there, you know, um, just speaking to people, those whole previous eight years, I think we saw maybe five or six people come to faith. Mm. So once, you know, every six months. And so it's been uh, a totally different ch- shift in dynamic. And I think a big piece of that is that you said that interaction, that participation and not just taking it in. Yeah. And, and, and I would say on that too, you know, for those that, that do have, you know, the, there, there's one thing, how, how we do this, you know, whether it's church, you know, um, house churches or, or, you know, the Sunday morning gathering, I, I think the, the component here that's, that's non-negotiable is regardless of how you do it, you have to make sure that discipleship has a platform in your church. So, yeah. so okay, we'll meet on Sundays, but not only do we want people, the answer isn't, we'll just get everybody plugged into a community group. The answer is find ways for them to connect with the body throughout the week, you know, yeah. encouraging people, hey, are you going to coffee with people? Are you going to lunch? Are you having people over to your house for dinner? I mean, that's, to me, that discipleship component is it's indispensable to the growth of the church because if the church only grows in width but doesn't grow yeah. in depth, you could actually find yourself with a church full of people that don't know Jesus. Right. You know? Well, and that's what we – dude, so when we were in the buildings and then we made that shift into house churches, and I remember that first couple of months – 
people who'd been coming to the buildings for years under my preaching and teaching for years, all of a sudden, all this deep sin started coming to the surface mm. and stuff was being, you know, confessed and revealed. And it had been sitting there in the back pews the whole time, right? But there was mm. never any opportunity to be with people outside of those, those Sunday gatherings where there was conversation and you were, you know, you're getting glimpses of people's lives. And as soon as that, we emphasize that we just talk that togetherness, that withness, that community, man, there was some tremendous spiritual growth because God started rooting some things out of yeah. out, out of the body. It was incredible. So yeah. I, I completely agree. That's what you see in Acts, right? They're, yeah. they're together all the time. Just, yeah. <laughs> they're just together. Amen. In, in the last three minutes, I, I want to read this scripture and I want you to um, just share with me what, what a disciple is and, and what it looks like to make a disciple. Jesus is standing um, at, at the end. He's standing and, you know, before he's ascending, he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe whatever I command. And lo, behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the earth. Make disciples. Like, first of all, you know, we don't have a ton of time left, but what is a disciple? And 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 when he says make them, like, like what does that mean? Just re- receive God and say, and say a prayer? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a, no, that's a great passage. And I, and I think the definition is in the latter parts of that. He says, "Go make disciples." He says, "I've God's given me all authority." He turns around and gives it to his to those disciples, right? So every every disciple of Jesus has the authority to go make disciples themselves, and he tells us what that means. They're going and they're they're baptizing them. So as they they repent and believe, they're baptized, and then teaching them to obey all things. So everything Jesus commanded, everything Jesus told us of the Word, they're walking that out. So a disciple is someone who has repented and believed, and I would by that passage been baptized in Christ, and then is now obeying everything Jesus does. And of course, the words of Jesus speak to every area of our life. So it's not this compartmentalized faith on Sunday morning for a couple hours, but in everything, um, my finances, my vocation, my relationships, my sexuality, my ambitions, my, I mean, we could just go on and on. Jesus has, he's now sovereign and reigns and all of that. And so that is what I would say a disciple is, someone who's now following Jesus, surrendered to him in the entirety of their life. Hmm. And so it almost seems like, you know, there's, um, there's a mutual investment. The, mm. the one who's involved in wanting to be a disciple and walk with Christ and the one who's quote unquote making the disciple. And I would argue disciple isn't made by one person, but I, by community, yeah, right? Yeah. And so what does that mean? You know, in, in the last, you know, I think we got a minute and a half left. <laughs> what what kind of investment do the people make in other people to raise up the next generation? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And I think it comes down to you're going to, have to open up your life in such a way that it's 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 almost an inconvenience. Like and I think that's significant to note because especially in American churches and American uh, America in general, we put such emphasis on our privacy and in yeah. our own space and all this kind of stuff. And making disciples the way you were just describing it, even in community, is going to involve opening up areas of my life and having people in. And just being together and and letting them see how Jesus impacts these different areas of my life. So there's this transparency and there's this openness. Mm. And sometimes that's just opening. You talk about opening your house. We opened our house at 6:30 a.m. the other day because it was National Cinnamon Bun Day, <laughs> and so we made a bunch of cinnamon buns and just said, "Hey, whoever wants to come." And we had breakfast at 6:30 in the morning, and we prayed together, and everyone went to school and work, and it was. 
it, it was inconvenient, but it was yeah. a good time of just being with brothers and sisters. And I think little things like that, um, where you're just opening space for people is a big part of it. Yeah. The apostle Paul said that we didn't just <clears throat> give you the gospel. We gave you our very life. <laughs> yes, sir. And, and I think that's, that is connected to making a disciple. We're out of time for this uh, episode of Shouts of Grace. We appreciate you taking time. We hope you have been blessed by what you hear. Um, have a wonderful day and God bless you. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Shouts of Grace Radio with Pastor Steve Pearson. We hope that you've been encouraged to see the Bible as God's source of truth for everyday life and grace as the foundation for a genuine relationship with God. If you've been encouraged in your journey following and learning more about Jesus, we would love to hear from you. You can visit us online at shoutsofgraceradio.com. At ShoutsOfGraceRadio.com, you can listen to all of our episodes, share them online with your friends, and find out more about Pastor Steve. Shouts of Grace is an outreach of Redemption Hill Church in Eagle Mountain, Utah. Thank you again for joining us on today's show. And from all of us at Shouts of Grace, it is our prayer that you would grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ.